Welcome to the Grace Chronicles. I'm Sherry Falco, and I'm here with Layla Kiley. And our guest today is Beth Irwin. And her testimony today just proves that God never gives up on us, even when we give up on him. Welcome, Beth. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here and share my testimony with you guys. Yes, and we're excited for our audience to um, hear your story as well. Um, so I did your preliminary interview, and we were talking before, and I know that you kind of um, had a rough childhood, um, and like you'd said that, you know, there wasn't really a lot of oversight, and so you had an opportunity to just kind of live life on um, not very well protected, but um, when you, I think you said that it was about 18 years old. Um, that you had started to get into drugs, you started experimenting with different things, and then you found yourself pregnant at the age of 20. Then after you had your daughter, you started going to church. So anyway, I'm recapping just a little bit, but do you want to just let us know kind of a little bit of that foundation, what your mindset was about God and yourself during that time? Yeah, I... Um... Oddly enough, we were we were taken to church. We were the um, sometimes Easter and sometimes Christmas. I mean, there was no point to going twice in one year. Um, so if you went to one, you knew we went to the other. But we were always told that we were Christians. Um, and I was always skeptical about this. I didn't see a lot. I didn't know what a Christian was, but I had an idea that we weren't exhibiting it. And and right. I I would talk to God. Um, all my life, I, I, I spoke with God, um, but in, in my limited understanding, I, I couldn't understand why bad things would happen to good people. And so I decided that, um, that I was created to absorb the evil in the world so bad things didn't happen to good little girls. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so say that again, that you were created, you... Yeah, well, the bad things have to happen to somebody. And and so I was that person, so they didn't happen to the good little girls. Wow. And I, I remember even very young questioning God about this and, and thinking, I mean, I must have been five or six years old and even thinking, oh, you know what, there's no point asking that. Never mind. This is just the way it is. I need to learn to live with it. Um, so by the time that I reached, uh, my, my late teens, I had, uh, seen a, um, cartoon somewhere, probably in, uh, you know, some weird store somewhere. And, uh, it said, um, when, uh, being run out of town, hop out front and make it look like a parade. And, and that became my motto. I figured, I'm destined for hell. Oh, gosh. I will make this look good. They will never see me cry. Oh, my goodness. So this is... Uh, uh, so, <laughs> so when Layla asks you your view of yourself, and, it, you know, our view of ourself also goes to our purpose. Like, why was I created? So what I'm hearing you say is that you thought your purpose basically that... I don't know if you were thinking that God causes the evil, but at least he allows it. And, you know, if there's only so much evil to go around. So if you, if it falls on you, it's not going to hit someone else. So this is the purpose 
of your existence. So there's no hope for you. I mean, that's, that's what I'm hearing. Is that correct? Correct. Um, and, and I think that that it, it makes a lot of sense because, um, my, my parents were not bad people. They, I just came along at a very bad time in their life and, Mm -hmm. and they, um, my mom will, will tell you now she's 91 and an amazing person. Um, but parenting was not something that they were equipped for at all. Mm-hmm. And so when, when you're a little girl and, and you experience neglect and absolutely believe that your own mother does not love you, um, that makes you feel you are unlovable. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't know why it just, it, that it is the way it is. And, and so that was the baggage and the belief that I had come into an agreement with at a very young age that I carried with me um, from some degree or another through a good portion of my life. And so as I um, developed this motto of, uh, you know, making it look good on paper, I, I, I got my heart broke and... Um, you know how that could be your first love. And as luck would have it, met someone uh, the very same day um, that became my best friend. And she introduced me to the the drug scene. And I was embraced there. I found something I was good at. Oh, wow. Okay. So you found a sense of uh, just community and in this group, I guess, if it was just, yeah. Yeah. And we hear a lot of people say that too. You know, I just stepped into this uh, group of people who were, you know, drinking a lot or partying a lot or doing drugs. And somehow I felt like I fit in there and I was accepted and I knew how to live that lifestyle. I did. And, and I, I, I went very quickly. I, I went from being the biggest goody two shoes you would ever want to meet to the party lifestyle. I mean, I, I went from park to fifth gear um, and, and there was no looking back and really felt like the rest of you guys that, that weren't in this scene, like you did not know what you were missing. I had found the secret to life and it worked really well for me up until the point where I found myself pregnant. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you said that you got pregnant yeah. and that's when things started trying really change for you is after you had your, your first child. Go yeah. ahead. Um, and actually it's, it is my only child as it turns out, the doctors do not know how I ever got pregnant in the first place. Uh, I wow. had a hysterectomy in my twenties. I had a, a lot of female, uh, issues. And so, um, the fact that I accidentally got pregnant was the odds against it were astronomical. And so I, I have this beautiful little blonde hair, green eyed little girl and she was perfect. And I wanted her to be able to stay that way. I, I wanted her to have everything I ever wanted but could never have. And I really didn't want to have a child. I I didn't want to be a mother. 
I never dreamed of growing up and having a family of my own. I was probably the only little girl that I knew that didn't play get married and have a family. That just was not something that that I aspired to. And I, I find myself with this child that I have no idea what to do with. And I, I just know that I want something better for her. Mm-hmm. You wanted her to have this upbringing of safety, security, or something better than what you were raised with and what you had experienced for yourself. Right. And in your mind, though, you felt like that taking her to church would be a good first step. That was my only option. <laughs> I mean, I, I had no other plan. I was really counting on these people to, to, to pull this off for me. And so my idea was I would go to church and you know, you've met me. I love to tell stories and I love to chat. I, I've always been a chatterbox, but um, I was so dedicated to this process that I knew that it, once I started talking that I would let the cat out of the bag and they would know that there was a heathen in their midst. So I needed to keep quiet. And then I would yeah. take her and I would go to do the Sunday school. I would go to church, but I would just be quiet Eventually, I knew they would figure it out, but I had hoped that by the time that they realized that I was incorrigible, that they would love my daughter and they would let me continue to bring her and that they would teach her about God and she could be um, a child of God. So, so let me just understand. Um so you believe that there's no salvation for you. There's no, no hope for you at all. Mm-hmm. So you're just pushing your child forward because you still hold out hope for her. I mean, this is, this is so sad, Beth. I mean, it's, this is <laughs> very sad. Yeah. Yeah, there was a, the amount of pain that I carried was phenomenal. Um, and I, I just wanted so much more for her. Um, so I, I, so as you were continuing to go, so did they ever find you out or what happened? What did something change as you were going? I did not know the church that I took her to had an in-home visitation program. If I would have known that I would have picked a different one. Um, (laughs) I, (laughs) I didn't know that they did things like that. Uh, and so one day I am at home and there's a knock at my door and there is a woman and a man I've never seen before in my life. And they introduced themselves, uh, as, is coming from the church and wanted to know if they could come in and chat with me. Honest to gospel, I didn't want those people in my house. I, I mean, <laughs> that was dangerous. <laughs> You know, church people coming into your house. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, but I knew that I had to be polite. And and so I said, give me a minute. And I began to look around and make sure that there wasn't anything incriminating (laughs) that that would give me away. I invite them in and, um, they start asking me about my relationship with the Lord and um, they ask the question that back in the 80s was a pretty common question to ask people. If you were to die today, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? And my first instinct was just to lie and you know get them gone. 
Um, but I, I, I couldn't bring myself to just outright lie to, to such a genuine question. And so I said, well, you know, maybe. <laughs> you know? Maybe and, when we where you would go was your answer. <laughs> yeah. And so um, they talked to me, shared, shared the gospel, asked me if I wanted to pray, and I declined. I said no and explain to them that I just was not ready. And and that was true. I I I, ha- I still very much believed there was no hope for me. Mm-hmm. Um and because of the hopelessness that I felt, I wasn't ready to give up my lifestyle. And I had cleaned up my lifestyle greatly and no longer um was around the people that I was around in my late teens. I didn't want them around my daughter, but I, I certainly was not living clean, you know, at that point. And um, I, I didn't know of any other way to numb the pain that I felt. And I, I couldn't imagine a world in giving up my only hope at a respite from the pain that I carried 24 hours a day. Mm. Um, so the, they, they left and they got to the car and the woman began to cry and she looked at the man and said, I don't know what it is, but I believe if we don't get her to pray today that she never will and something terrible will happen to her. Wow. And, and I heard a pounding at my door. I, I, I don't mean a knock. I mean a pounding at my door. Mm-hmm. And I opened the door and she's standing there shaking all over and shares this belief with me. And it was very bold. I found out later that this was not her temperament, that she was actually wow. a very timid woman. Mm-hmm. And I believed her. Wow, you did. I did. I believed her. Um, and, and, you know, we, we have language for that now. Um, but I didn't have any language for that then. I just like, she's telling the truth. And, and she was so sincere and, and her concern for me. I, I don't remember a time where I'd seen anyone that concerned for me before. And, and maybe that's why I was able to believe her. I hadn't really thought about that until now. So I agreed to pray the prayer. What I didn't know is that that prayer did not heal my heart and it did not deliver me from the belief that God really had no use for me. Um, I, I thought that I reconciled this in my mind that God had allowed me to get saved um, because he wanted my daughter raised in a Christian home. So when you say that you prayed the prayer, you prayed a prayer of, okay, Jesus, I turn my life over to you. For those who don't know what the prayer is, but it was that you turn your life over to Jesus, but you're saying in your mind, you're still thinking that it's not possible for me to really be saved, but maybe this is an opportunity for me to, for my daughter to get saved and have a better chance at life than what I did. Is that accurate? Yeah, I and I, I think that I, I felt like that I was somewhat saved as long as 
You know, <laughs> it's like I was in on a technicality. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> because but, Beth, you know what? When you're talking, it's always about somebody else. Mm-hmm. So even this lady comes in and she has deep concern for you, right? That's uh-huh. what you said. And that's the reason you actually believe her. But then somewhere in your mind, you still rationalize it that, well, actually, this sort of has to be about my daughter instead. Exactly. Exactly. Because nothing had ever been about me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So life goes on and I... um, you started, I, did you go continue to go to church or yeah, did you? We ended up going, uh, we ended up changing churches and went to a church with just uh, oh, one of the most amazing uh, men of God. He was, had such a pastor father's heart. And um, I would, I would wait until church started. And so I, I was like the last to come in and I was always the first to try to get out. Again, because I'm thinking, I I don't want if I get noticed, somebody's going to realize I don't belong and kick me out. Mm-hmm. And so, but what he would do, you know how when you're leaving and everybody wants to talk to the pastor, so everybody lines up to talk to the pastor. Well, I would scoot around him, and oh. and he was a, a tall man with long arms, and and he had these giant paws, you know, for hands, and. Every single Sunday is as I was making my mad dash out the door, that giant paw would reach over a sea of people and grab my shoulder and squeeze it. And I would always look back and I would, and he would just smile. And there was just this little twinkle in his eyes. And I was like a feral kitten. And be like, gotta go, you know, and, and I would run away every single Sunday. But I really believe that kept me coming back. That oh, something wow. or another, it slowly but surely, God was allowing hope to be deposited in my heart. Mm-hmm. And one day I sat down and I was reading a book because I love to read. And, and I discovered they had these things called Christian bookstores. And um and I was so excited. And, and so I, I would read things and I, I sat down to read this book and it was talking about how much that I matter to God. Mm. Okay. So it was a, you started learning about your significance, right? Well, that was the point of the book, but I couldn't read it because it was too painful. And I began to cry. And um, to this day, I own a copy of the book and I just always look at it and smile, but I've never read it. Uh, Not because it's too painful. It's because I just moved on. Um, But I began to cry and and I realized that even though I had been a Christian now for a number of years, that I didn't believe that was true for me. And that's when the Lord really began to realize the depth of error, error that I believed in my heart about him and my relationship with him. And he began to show me that he absolutely loved me. And I always lived in a world where there was a lot of favoritism and I never was the favorite. And so all of a sudden I am God's favorite 
But see, this would bother me because I wouldn't want someone else to feel unfavored. Less important. Yeah. If you were important. Right. And so God began to show me, you're my favorite. They're my favorite. They're my favorite. And I began to see that God's love is so encompassing that I can be the favorite and it no way diminishes your favoritism and your favoritism and no way diminishes mine that we all get to be like the favorite. And, and this was so exciting for me that I think for about three years, I could not stop talking about it. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, in the grocery store, you had to hear about it. You know, bless your heart if you were behind me in line and it took a while because you were going to hear about, you know, being God's favorite. And, and this was just, I mean, so it this was hugely terrific. impactful for you, right? I mean, this was life changing. It, it was life changing. I mean, the, is the love of God not, uh, yeah. uh, you know, a life changing thing? And And oftentimes we hear about it. Right. It's totally different to to experience it yeah. on a deeply intimate and personal level. And I had finally done that. You stepped into the church and you started, um, things started to go well in the church for you, correct? Um, things were going, you were having a decent time there or you were, you were learning and growing in Christ. You stepped into ministry, you were helping out or... I don't know um, what you were doing with the church, but there was a point in your life where it seemed like, I guess, things kind of started to fall away. Right. I learned inner healing. I, I knew if God could heal my heart, he could heal anybody's heart. And, and what was wonderful is people would confess things to me and I would be able to go, I know, right? <laughs> I know when it said anything to me that I had not done myself or experienced. And, and so um, I am seeing God move now, not only in my life, but, but move in other people's lives and in a partnership with me. And um, I, I, when it talks, when the apostle Paul talks about prayer without ceasing, I lived that life. Mm. I talked to God all the time. As a matter of fact, my daughter had to explain to me that I needed to let people know when I was the difference between when I was talking to God and talking to them, because he was so real to me. I just might start talking to him like right now. Well, what do you think about that? You know, and, um, (laughs) Apparently that was confusing for people, <laughs> but that is how very real to me. He, he was a present and a part of every moment of my life. And I never knew joy and I knew joy and I still needed healing and I, I still needed things. And I still went through some really rough, dark times. But man, I was walking with Jesus. Hmm. And and the thing that I learned, Jesus never condemned me. Hmm. He never came to me and said, clean up your act and I'll let you be my disciple. He's just like, come as you are. Mm -hmm. And he never asked me to change a thing. You know, the Lord never asked me to give up drugs. 
And by the way, I did not immediately give them up from getting saved. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while I'd go, how come you're not saying anything about this? And, and, but, but he put in my heart to want to be free. Okay. So your desire, you did start, you were developing a desire for freedom, being set free from these things, yes. uh, an unhealthy yes. lifestyle, Yes, <clears throat> but he wasn't pressuring you, I suppose, is the way that you're, um, right. you were experiencing it. I think it looks like too, is that he was developing a relationship with you. He was after my heart. He was not after Mm -hmm. my behavior. Yes. Well, that that Mm -hmm. is so important because you keep saying about him healing your heart. So, you know, the need for him looks like it was so much greater than the need for for anything else. Yeah. So this period, so wait a minute. So you have a period where, just to sum up, right? So you have a period where you're talking to God all the time. And you know about the love of God. And there's so much good news that you can't keep it inside. You're like spouting this to strangers. Um, And then you have these expectations about how things should be with your daughter. And they don't turn out that way. And then you have a dry period that lasts. Several years. Several Mm -hmm. years. Yeah. Where you go away from God and... And maybe, maybe doubt him. Is that, is that fair to say that you, you know, you sort of pull out of this relationship. It sounds like you're taking your heart back a little bit, but God God never gives, he never gives up. So then something happens to change even this, right? Yeah. I, um, so the the experience that I had that began to leave leave me home, uh, was I was dusting. I was, I was doing some housework and, and I was dusting. And I remember having the dust rag in my hand and this, this question very clearly and loudly was posed to me in my spirit that said, where is your Bible? Okay, so this is years after you've kind of set God down in a sense, right? You've just been living life, kind of surviving, making it on your own. And then one day you're in your house and you're cleaning (laughs) and then something, God shows up in the room. (laughs) You start hearing, where is your Bible? (laughs) And what was your response? Well, I thought about it and realized I didn't know. (laughs) And so I was like, wow, I, I, I don't know. And I sense another question coming and I'm like, well, you know, I don't know when the last time is that I've read it. So you don't know where it is. You don't know when the last time was that you've read it. Right. And so then I sense another question coming. I was like, well, don't ask me that. You know, I don't know when the last time I've prayed is either. And what's crazy is this God that I no longer think I believe in. I'm having a conversation (laughs) with him and this does not seem weird to me. (laughs) yes so as i'm sitting there and i'm still kind of wondering where the bible is and i'm thinking i really guys i had no interest in the bible but i kind of didn't want it to be lost forever so i asked the god that i no longer believe in um you know i don't really care anything about where the bible is right now but you know one day i would like for it to turn back up i don't want it to be lost forever and um, 
Again, that didn't seem like a dumb request either. And all of a sudden, I was uh, reminded of an event that had happened 20 years before when I was uh, when I was a new Christian. I was laying in bed one night, and um, I was thinking about all the Bible greats, you know, G-R-E-A-T-S, the, the great characters of the Bible that had done mighty, amazing things for God, and then turned around and did something really stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I'm thinking about it and all of a sudden it occurs to me I got big problems. Because I know me. And if they did that, oh heavens to goodness, what in the world am I capable of doing? So I jump up out of the bed and I am in a, a, you know almost a panic and I begin to cry and I'm like, "Lord, Lord, we got problems." We got problems. God, you don't believe in, right? We got problems. (laughs) And the problem was, too, what you said, what they did, it was their failure. So we have people who did great exploits in the Bible, but then they had a failure. And you're saying, okay, I'm not doing great exploits. And if they're (laughs) capable of falling, then what's going to happen to me? Is that Right. right? And so, and I'm a baby Christian when this is happening. And so I, I am thinking about it and I begin to cry and I, I'm pounding on my chest and I'm going, look at my heart, look at my heart. Wow. And I said, Lord, I've been taught that you're a gentleman. Now I no longer believe that's true. I think he's ruthless in his pursuit of us, but you know, at the time yeah. I've been told he was a gentleman. So I believed it. So I'm like, Lord, I've been told that you're a gentleman and you'll, you'll never do anything that we don't want you to do. So read my heart, read my heart right now. That says, I want to be with you forever. Mm. And if they're and I don't know how you track time, but I don't think it's the way that we do. So if there's a time when I think I no longer want to be with you, and I'm feeling this little nudge, and I'm I don't want to say that. I'm feeling the nudge. Well, I really don't want to say that. Okay. Even if I believe I hate you. I'm giving you permission to come get me and read what my heart says right now that I want to be with you forever. Wow. And that's a big, cause you didn't want to use that word, right? That's what you're saying is hate. I did not want to use that word, but the Lord insisted that I use that word. So there I am, you know, 20 years later, dusting, having a conversation with a God that I no longer believe in. And, 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 and he reminds me of this event. This is how cold and dead my heart was. I went, oh yeah, I forgot about that. (laughs) So I guess all this is on you then, isn't it? Wow. And I went back to cleaning my house. So he brought back this memory of when you were saying, because that's what it was, is he brought back this memory of where you had had a conversation with him. You're like, if I ever feel like I hate you, is that what it was? Then remind me, right? Bring me back, see my heart now and remind me that I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I mean, was that? No, I wasn't asking him to remind me that I wanted to spend the rest of uh, my life with mm-hmm. him. I was wanting him to remember and, and honor my heart mm-hmm. in that moment and come get me from wherever okay. it is that I may go. 
As a matter of fact, I had even read um, in Ezekiel where he tied a rope around Ezekiel's waist, and I didn't know why he did that. I just had read something about some guy got a rope tied around, around his waist. I, I didn't know anything about anything. And I, I even asked him, I said, will you, like, like you did with that guy Ezekiel, will you tie a rope, rope around my waist so I don't get too far away? Okay. And so he reminded me of that 20 years later. I was so cold, cold hearted that I was like, okay, well then, you know, this is all on God. It's up to him whether anything on this happens. And, and so um, it, it, was, um, it was really kind of funny. Like nothing happened for another year or so. Well, and I think that this is so important though, because I mean, um, I think a lot of people get to a point in their life where they're like, you know, they just reach the stage of, okay, I just don't, I, I, I've lost my faith, you know, and I don't know, my heart's gotten hardened with, there's been trials, life has happened, a lot of things have come my way, right? Things have, life went differently for yourself and for your daughter, and I don't know what, if you were, um, stepping into other things, but either way, I guess, you know, your heart gets hardened in different ways. And so at this point it was like, you're just hardened. And I think it's important to highlight how bad it was really at this point. Right. I mean, this is where you had come. You got to the place of, okay, I, I you had a flippant, flippant attitude towards him. Really? Very rude. I was, I was, I was very rude. Uh, and, and, I, and I'm really glad that you didn't sugarcoat that because I've had people go, oh, well, you didn't really say it like that, you know, as if like no one could possibly be that rude to God. Sure, you couldn't really, I, have, you've experienced him. Yeah, no, you didn't really. I was, I was that rude. Um, and, and so a couple of years go by and I uh, am trying to reach out to a, a real estate agent that I knew of her, she knew of me, we had never met, and she's not returning my phone calls. And I asked someone like, well, do you know this person? Uh, I'm, I can't get through to them. And they explained to me that, that her husband had multiple myeloma and had been sent home. And it sounded like he had been sent home you know, to hospice, through hospice, and that she was caring for him. And that's probably why I had not heard from her. And I have this thought in my head, oh, man, I need to go pray for him. What? Mm. And I'm thinking, what a goofy idea. You know, like, I, I, don't, I don't pray for people anymore. And, um, and, I, had, and, and I, I prayed inner healing. I had never been introduced to how to properly pray, you know, physical healing. If there's, you know, if properly is, is probably not the best word, but... Um, and so you had just never done it before, but yet right. for some reason you just had this urge when you heard that this person maybe was not returning your calls because their husband was sick. You felt the urge that, or the thought, I guess at this point you're saying it's just a thought. Mm -hmm. I need to go pray for him. Right. And so the thought kept coming up a couple of weeks go by. It's like, I, I'm starting to get tormented by the thought to go pray for this. And, and I'm not really, it, it took about two weeks before it really hit me. It never, in my wildest dreams, would it be my idea to go pray for this man. This, this God that I don't really believe in is bothering me, and he is putting this idea in my head. And I really want him to stop. 
So here God's talking to you again and you're wanting to be like, I want to ignore you. I'm trying to ignore this. I think this is not just a random thought now you're realizing, right? This could be God and okay, God, would you stop? So as I'm realizing this, it also occurs to me that the only way in the past I could ever get God to stop was to actually do what he wanted me to do. So I think, well, how long does it take to call and go pray for somebody and just, you know, in this nonsense? So plus she doesn't return my phone calls, right? Yay. So I call her and she answers the phone. That is the one call that she decides to take. So I explained to her in much nicer terms than I actually felt that I felt that God, you know, had had, uh, wanted me to pray for her husband. And she explained to me that he wasn't into that kind of thing. And as much as she would like for me to, that she was just trying to honor his wishes at this point in life. And that she, you know, and she's very apologetic. She didn't know that I was like high-fiving myself on the other end of the phone, you know. Hey, I tried. I got shot down. Yay, you can leave me alone now, God. And so we get off the phone and five minutes later, she calls back and she said, you know, I'm shocked. I mentioned this to him. He would love for you to come. So now you're not off the hook. On the hook, you know, I was so close to escaping this. And so I find out that they live not far from um, the office that I was at that day. And um, so I make arrangements that I'll meet them there in about 45 minutes and I finish up uh, my paperwork and I get in the car. And at this point, I'm mad. Like, this is ridiculous. So... I am kind of yelling. You're mad that you're being forced to do this, that God's making you go pray for someone to have some healing in their physical healing. Yes. Yeah. He was very rude. (laughs) (laughs) Because he wouldn't leave you alone about it. That's what you mean by that. That is one thing about my testimonies. I never turn out looking too good in them, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And so So I get over to the house. Yeah, I'm driving in the, and I'm yelling at God. This is a bad idea, but it is yours. So yep. if you think that I am driving over there and paying, praying some mamby pamby prayer about, you know, God, the surgeon's hand or God, if it be your will, like, no, I am not praying any get out of jail free card for you. God, you are on the hook. This was your idea. I'm putting you on the hook. I suggest if I'm showing up, you better show up too. And and that is how I said it. I mean, y'all, I am not a very reverent person at this point in my life. And so I get there and I was totally not expecting for the whole family to have been gathered. There were like 20 people there. And their neighbor was visiting and he had skin cancer and asked if he could stay and somebody could pray for his skin. (laughs) This is a prayer meeting now. (laughs) So, you know, I sit down, I kind of introduce myself and tell him a little bit about me. And I could quickly tell they could care less who I was. I'm just somebody that said God wanted me to pray. And they're like, bring it. So I bow my head to pray, and then it occurs to me, I don't know how. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what to do. 
then I'm not mad. I'm hurting. Mm. Because these people had such hope. And they opened the door and I called them mm. and offered some hope. And now my heart is broken. Because I didn't know what to do. So now the tears are coming and I'm trying to keep them in my eyes and I'm, I'm saying, you God, you got, you got to be here for them. I called them. I offered them hope. How do I do this? And I, 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 I used to could hear from God uh, very well. And um, it, it, all of a sudden, I couldn't hear from God very well. And I prayed what I think was probably, I, I call it praying in staccato. Staccato. It'd be like, uh, God, if, if you, uh, if you, what, <laughs> you know, I, that's what it's I really think. Choppy. Yeah, it's real yeah. choppy. Yeah. And so I, I, I finished the prayer. And I don't want to look up because I am devastated that I called these people and offered to come pray and did such a terrible job. And, and my heart is, and, and I'm not, and, and I actually wasn't even embarrassed for myself. I was devastated for them that, you know, that they must be thinking, wait, you asked to come. Why didn't you, you know, it's kind of like you call and ask to bring dinner and you don't bring any food. You show up with no food. Like what, 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 what was the deal here? And so I lift my head up and they're all standing there staring at me and no one is saying a word and the complete atmosphere in the room has changed. And, you know, looking back on it, I understand what had happened, but at the, in the in the moment, I'm not really knowing what's happening here, and I'm thinking, God, we got troubles. They're so upset they can't even speak. So I'm just thinking I need to extract myself and and, and get out of here and 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 let them somehow comfort each other through through this disaster. And finally, one of them goes, oh, oh I'm sorry that we, that we must all look so strange just standing there staring at you. I, I think I have the question that, that we all want to know. How did you learn to pray like that? And, I, and so I go back to God. I'm like, God, I don't even think I understand what that question means. I, like, did they hear that? But I think my answer is very important. So I'm just going to open my mouth and you answer them. So I'm very excited to see what's going to come out of my mouth because I want to know the answer to the question too, right? So I opened my mouth and I said, I don't know what you mean by the question. But what I do know is when I talk to my father, he hears and he answers. Wow. And 
And I, I left and my heart for the first time in years was just leaping for joy. And my heart said, this is what I want to do. And my mind heard it and said, oh, no, that's a bad idea. So I'm driving down the road and the heart and the head are just in this, this argument. But wait a minute. So you're back in the room, though, and you they asked, I mean, what was their response to you? I mean, they were just like, how did you learn how to pray that way? And how did you respond to them again? I said that I, I didn't know um, exactly what they meant, but all I oh, yeah. knew was that when I spoke and I came to my father, that I know that he hears and that I know that he listens. And, and what was their listens. response to that? They said, it's obvious. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, they said, you know, we, and that we've never heard, we've never, we've never, they actually even ended up saying we've never felt a prayer like that before. So okay. Beth, so here's the $64,000 question. Okay. Cause God sends you in. And we hear the whole transformation in your heart, right? From literal apathy, because that's how it started. I don't care, you know? I really don't care. To I'm angry, okay? To I'm angry and I'm in it with you, even though I don't believe in you. To compassion, right? For the people, you hear this. To back to I love you. So this whole thing, and you put God on the hook. So was he healed? I believe so. Um, I uh, lost contact with them, um, but I have seen them on Facebook and he is still alive. So, okay. yes, I, I, okay. yes, he, he was healed. <laughs> and so I, 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 then I began to run around and when people had, and, and then the Lord kept sending me uh, around people with multiple myeloma. And I was like, oh, don't worry about it. God likes to heal multiple, use me to heal multiple <laughs> myeloma. You know, and it took me four days to practice to learn how to say it. So she's really appreciated it. So, um, but on on the way home, you know, and I'm arguing between my heart and my head. And I remember I stopped and I said, oh, God, I have missed you and I want to come home. Oh. I want to come home. And the Lord eventually showed me his response to me that day as I was dusting and I was so rude and so cold. When I said, this is on you then, my daddy smiled and said, yeah, baby girl, it is. And I'm coming to get you. <laughs> and, you know, it's one thing for God to have taken me and cleaned me up when I was a young girl that had done stupid things that didn't know any better, that was hurt and wounded. But wow, to be old enough to know better. Mm. Yeah. To have walked with the Father, to have experienced His incredible goodness, and decide that I didn't love Him anymore. And yet he never quit loving me. He never gave up. And he was never offended by my rudeness. He came and got me and he brought me home. Well, Beth, that's incredible. So, you know, you've been such a blessing to us and to our listeners 
So Layla and I are just wondering if you would be willing to pray for the people listening, because I'm sure that some of them feel like that is, you know, maybe the mistakes I made when I was younger, you know, I get a pass maybe for those, but what about the ones that I've made when I'm older? And so, yes, I would love to pray. And Father, I, I just come before you. And Lord, you know the hearts of those that are listening. And you know their struggles. You know their doubts. And Lord, I am sensing that there is more than one that desperately needs to forgive themselves for the things that they have done. And even a few that need to forgive themselves for things that they did not do. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you go right now and empower them to say the words, I choose by faith to forgive myself for what I did and for what I should have done and didn't do. It is finished. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you move upon the hardened stony places in each of our hearts, that they would be soft and receptive and would be open more and more to the incredible, unstoppable, relentless love of the Father. Lord, I pray that every person listens will have a baptism of the love of the Father and that, Lord, they would know that no matter what they've done, you love them, you forgive them, and they are free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Beth, for sharing your testimony. It was a blessing to have you on. Thank you Thank so you. much. I enjoyed it. Thank you. See you guys. All right. Bye. bye. Well, Layla, that's, um, I don't know if there's too much to say about that other than the fact that God never, just as Beth said, he never gives up on us. He's not sitting there counting our sins saying, well, oh, I'm so surprised by what Sherry did or what Beth did that there's no way I can have anything to do with them. He's always pursuing. He's always standing there with open arms saying, no matter what you've done, right? You can turn around, you can come home. And, um, I just think that's a really important message because some of us just feel like, well, like she did when she said she would go into church and she didn't want to be exposed. <laughs> right. right. Cause she didn't belong. Her daughter was good and her daughter could be saved, but she was beyond saving. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the, the points of this whole podcast that we're doing is that there is no life so broken, no sin so big, no life so ruined. Nothing is beyond the Lord's redemption. Either but way, I thought, though. I thought it was profound that her, it wasn't even that she hated God, right? Because either even the hatred is an emotion, right? It's It shows yeah. that she cares. Her heart was right. stone cold. She was apathetic. And, you know, they say often that the opposite of love is not hatred, it's apathy. It's complete indifference. 
And, you know, I love how God, from the very beginning, right, from the lady pounding on the door, you know, he's, he's like, you know, I'm, I love you. I'm going to pursue you because I love you. And I think that's the bottom line is no matter how many times we go awry, you know, and no matter, she said she was rude, which <laughs> is rude to right. God, right? Um, his love is always pursuing his grace is pursuing and all all we need to do is respond we just need Mm -hmm. to respond and um and i love you know i love the transformation now in her um she's now you know praying for people and And she's in seminary yep (laughs) so so layla why don't you pray for our listeners the ones that are feel shame and guilt and want to hide. Okay. Wow. Lord, I just thank you for everyone that's um, listening in today. And for those people who have felt like they've gone too far, they've made really bad decisions or, um, they've done things that they didn't feel, they didn't think were forgivable. And they have this, um, shame and guilt associated with it. Lord, I just ask that you would set them free, Lord. You came to set people free, Lord. And we know that you forgive them, Lord, for their sin. We know that you forgive them for, um, ways that they've hurt themselves in their sin and the ways that they've hurt other people and that you can bring healing to their life and to the lives of others, Lord. So I thank you, Lord, for blessing them. I thank you for um, forgiving them and uh, delivering them of shame and guilt and setting them free. Lord, I ask that you would draw them back to you. Lord, I ask that you would touch their heart, help them to feel the love that you have for them, Lord, that they would be able to sense that and have an encounter with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we thank you guys all for listening, and we hope that you enjoyed today's podcast, and we will see you in a couple of weeks.